0: book one chapter two of precious bane by mary webb this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by noel badrian telling the bees my brother gideon was born in the year when the war with the french began that was why father would have him called gideon it being a warlike name Jansus used to say it was a very good name for him, because it was one you couldn't shorten. You can make most names into little love names, like you can cut down a cloak or a gown for a child's wearing. But Gideon you could do naught with, and the name was like the man. I was more set on my brother than most are, but I couldn't a help seeing that about him. If nobody calls you out of your name, Your names like to be soon out of mind. And most people never even called him by his Christian name at all. They called him San. In father's life it was old San and young San, But after father died, Gideon seemed to take the place to himself. I remember how he went out that summer night, and seemed to eat and drink the place, devouring it with his eyes, yet it was not for love of it, but for what he could get out of it. He was very like father then, and more like every year, both to look at and in his mind. Saving that he was less tempersome and more set in his ways, he was father's very marrow. Father's temper got up desperate quick, and when it was up he was a ravening lion. Maybe that was what gave mother that married-all-o'er look. But Gideon I only saw angered, to call angered three times. Mostly a look was enough, he'd give you a look like murder and you'd let him take the way he wanted. I've seen a dog cringing and whimpering because he'd given it one of those looks. Saans mostly have grey eyes, cold grey like the mere in winter, and the Saan men are mainly dark and sullen. Sullen as a Sarn, they say about these parts. And they say there's been something queer in the family ever since Timothy San was struck by forked lightning in the times of the religious wars. There were Sarns about here then, and always have been ever since there was anybody. Well, Timothy went against his folk and the counsels of a man of God, and took up with the wrong side. Whichever that was, but it's no matter now. So he was struck by lightning, and lay for dead. Being after a while recovered, he was counselled by the man of God to espouse the safe side and avoid the lightning. But Sans were ever obstinate men. He kept his side, and as he was coming home under the oak wood, he was struck again, and seemingly the lightning got into his blood. HE COULD TELL WHEN TEMPEST BREWED LONG afore IT CAME, AND IT IS SAID THAT WHEN A STORM BROKE, THE WILD FIRE PLAYED ABOUT HIM, SO NO ONE COULD COME NEAR HIM. SANS HAVE THE LIGHTNING IN THEIR BLOOD SINCE HIS DAY. I WONDER SOMETIMES WHETHER IT BE A TRUE-TALE, OR WHETHER IT'S TOO OLD TO BE TRUE. IT USED TO SEEM TO ME SOMETIMES AS IF San WAS TOO OLD TO BE TRUE the woods and the farm and the church at the other end of the mere were all so old as if they were in somebody's dream there was frittering about the place too and what with folk being afraid to come there after dusk and the quiet noise of the fish jumping far out in the water and gideon's boat knocking on the steps with little knocks like somebody tapping at the door. And the causeway that ran down into the mere as far as you could see from just outside our garden gate being lost in the water it was a very lonesome old place many a time on sunday evenings there came over the water a thin sound of bells we thought they were the bells of the village down under but i believe now they were naught but echo bells from our own church They say that in some places a sound will knock against a wall of trees, and come back like a ball. It was on one of those Sunday evenings, when the thin chimes were sounding along with their own four bells, that we played truant from church for the second time, it being such a beautiful evening, and father and mother being busy with the bees swarming. We made it up between us to take dog's leave, and to wait by the lich for Jancis, and get her to come with us, for old Beguiledy never wearited much about her church-going, not being the best of friends with the parson himself. He sent her off when the dial made it five o'clock every fourth Sunday, for we had service only once a month. The parson having a church at Brampton, where he lived, and another as well, which made it the more wicked of us to play truant. But whether she got there early or late, or got there at all, he'd never ask, let alone catechise her about the sermon. Our Father would catechise us last thing in the evening, when our night-rails were on. Father would sit down in the settle, with the birch-rod in his hand, and the settle that had looked such a great piece of furniture all the week suddenly looked little like a settle made for a moment whatever father sat in he made it look little we stood barefoot in front of him on the cold quarries in our unbleached homespun gowns that mother had spun and the journeyman weaver had woven up in the attic at the loom among the apples then he'd question us and when we answered wrong he made a mark on the settle and every mark was a stroke with the birch at the end of the catechizing though father couldn't read he never forgot anything it seemed as if he turned things over in his head all the while he was working i think he was a very clever man with not enough things to employ his mind if he'd had one of the new-fangled weaving machines i hear tell of to look after it would have kept him content But there was no talk of such things then we were all the machines he had and we wished very heartily every fourth sunday and christmas and easter that we were the children of beguiledy though he was thought of so ill by our parson and often preached against even by name i mind once when father lathered us very bad after the long preaching on easter sunday gideon being seven and me five how Gideon stood up in the middle of the kitchen and said, I do will and wish to be master beguiled son, and the devil shall have my soul. Amen. Father got his temper up that night, no danger. He shouted at mother terrible, saying she'd done very poorly with her children, for the girl had the devil's mark on her, and now it seemed as if the boy came from the same smithy. This I know because mother told it to me all i mind is that she went to look very small and being only little to begin with she seemed like one of the fairy folk and she said could i help it if the hare crossed my path could i help it it seems so strange to hear her saying that over and over i can see the room now if i shut my eyes and most especially if there's a bunch of cowslips by me for Easter fell late, or in a spell of warm weather that year, and the cowslips were very forward in sheltered places, so we'd pulled some. The room was all dim like a cave, and the red fire burning still and watchful seemed like the eye of the Lord. There was a little red eye in every bit of ware on the dresser, too, where it caught the gleam often and often in after years i looked at those red lights which were echoes of the fire just as the ghostly bells were reflections of the chime and i've thought they were like a deal of the outer show of this world rows and rows of red gladly fires but all shadows of fires many a chime of merry bells ringing and yet only the shadows of bells only a sigh of sound coming back from the wall of leaves or from the glassy water father's eye caught the gleam too and gideon's but mother's didna for she was standing with her back to the fire by the table where the cowslips were gathering the mugs and plates together from supper and if it seemed strange that so young a child should remember the past so clearly you must call to mind that time engraves his pictures on our memory like a boy cutting letters with his knife. And the fewer the letters, the deeper he cuts. So few things ever happened to us at San that we could never forget them. Mother's voice clings to my heart like trails of bed straw that catch you in the lanes. She's got a very plaintive voice and soft. Everything she said seemed to mean a deal more than the words, and times it was like a person fumbling in the dark, or going a long way down black passages, with a hand held out on this side, and a hand held out on that side, and no light. That was how she said, Could I help it if the hare crossed my path? Could I help it? Everything she said, though it might not have anything merry in it, She smiled a bit, in the way you smile to take the edge off somebody's anger, or if you hurt yourself and won't show it. A very grievous smile it was, and always there. So when father gave Gideon another hiding for wishing he was beguiled his boy, mother stood by the table saying, O Dunna San, hold thy hand, San and smiling all the while, seeming to catch at father's hand with her soft voice poor mother oh my poor mother shall we meet you in the other world dear soul and atone to you for our heedlessness i have never forgotten that easter but gideon had seemingly for when i remembered him of it saying we surely durst not take the dog's leave he said it's not we'll make sexton's tivy listen to the sermon for us so as we can answer well and I dunna care much if I am leathered, so long as I can find some good conkers and beat Jancis, for last time she beat me. Conkers, maybe you know, are snail shells, and children put the empty ones on strings and play like you play with chestnut cobs. Our woods were a grand place for snails, and Gideon had conker matches with lads from as far away as five miles the other side of Plash. He was famous all about because he played so fiercely and not like a game at all all the bells were sounding when we started that sunday in june the four metal bells in the church and the four ghost bells from nowhere mother was helping father with the bees getting a new skep ready down where the big chestnut tree was to put the play of bees in they'd swarmed in a dead gooseberry bush and mother said with her peculiar smile it be a sign of death but gideon shouted out a play of bees in may is worth a noble that same day a play in june's pretty soon and he said so long as we've got the bees mother we're the better of it die who may dear i'm afraid gideon had a very having spirit even then but father thought he was a sensible lad and he'd laughed and said well we've got such a mort of bees now i'm in be hopes it wanna be me as has the telling of em if anybody does die where be your sprigs of rosemary and your prayer-books and your clean handkerchers says mother gideon had been in be hopes to leave them behind But now he ran to fetch them, and mother began setting my kerchief to rights over my shoulders. She put in her big brooch with the black stone that she had when George II died, and while she was putting it in she kept saying to herself, Not as it matters what the poor child wears, Deary, deary me, but could I help it if the hare crossed my path? Could I help it? Whenever she said that, her voice went very mournful, and I thought again of somebody in a dark passage, groping. Now then, mother, hold the skep whilst I keep the bough up, said father. They've knit so low down. I'd lief have stayed, for I dearly loved to see the great tossy ball of bees' bodies as rich as a brown Christmas cake, and to hear the heavy sound of them. We went through the wicket and along the top path, because it was the nighest way to the church, and we wanted to catch Tivia for she went in. The coots were out on the mere, and the water was the colour of light, with spears in it. Now, said Gideon, we'll run for our lives. What's after us? The people out of the water so we ran for our lives and got to the church just as the two last bells began their snabbing ting-tong ting-tong that always minded me of the birch-rod we sat on the flat grave where we mostly sat to play conquer and the church being on a little hill we could watch the two three folks coming along the fields there was tivy with her father coming from the east copy and Jancis in the flat water meadows, where the big thorn hedges were all in blow. Jancis was a little thing, not tall like me, but you always saw her before you saw other people, for it seemed that the light gathered round her. She'd got golden hair, and all the shadows on her face seemed to be stained with the pale colour of it. I was used to think she was like a white water-lily full of yellow pollen or honey she'd got a very white skin creamy white without any colour unless she was excited or shy and her face was dimpled and soft and just the right plumpness she'd got a red cool smiling mouth and when she smiled the dimples ran each into other times i could almost have strangled her for that smile she came up to us very demure in her flowered bodice and blue skirt and a bunch of blossoms in her kerchief. Although she was only two years older than I was, being of an age with Gideon, she seemed a deal older, for she'd begun to smile at the lads already, and folk said, Beguilde's Jancis will soon be courting. But I know old Beguildy never meant her to get married. He meant to keep her as bait to draw the young fellows in. For mostly the people that came to him were either young maids, with no money, or old men who wanted somebody cursed cheap. So at this time, when he saw what a white, blossomy piece Jancis was growing, he encouraged her to dizen herself and sit in the window of the cave-house in case anybody went by up the lane. It was only once in a month of Sundays that anybody did, for Plash was nearly as lonesome as San. He made a lantern of coloured glass, too, the colour of red roses, and while Janser sat in the stone frame of the window, he hung it up above her with a great candle in it from foreign parts, not a rushlight such as we used. He had it in mind that if some great gentleman came by to a fair or a cockfight beyond the mountains, he might fall in love with her and then, beguiled, he planned to bring him in and give him strong ale and talk about charms and spells, and offer at long last to work the charm of raising Venus. It was all written in one of his books. How you went into a dark room and gave the wise man five pounds, and he set a charm, and after a while there was a pink light and a scent of roses, and Venus rose naked in the middle of the room only it wouldna have been venus but jancis the great gentleman howsoever was a long while coming and the only man that saw her in the window was gideon one winter evening when he was coming back that way from market because the other road was flooded he was fair comic struck about her and talked of her till i was a weary he being nineteen at the time which is a foolish age in lads before that, he never took any account of her but just to tell her this and that, as he did with me. But afterwards, he was nought but a gorby about her. I could never have believed that such a determined lad, so set in his ways and so clever, could have been thus soft about a girl. But on this evening, he was only seventeen, and he just said, Take dog's leave Oat Chances, and come with us after Conkers oh said jancis i wanted to play green gravel green gravel she's got a way of saying oh afore everything and it made her mouth look like a rose but whether she did it for that or whether she did it because she was slow-witted and timid i never could tell there's naught to win in green gravel said gideon we'll play conquer oh i wanted green gravel you'll beat me if we play conquer ah that's why we'll play Tivy came through the lynch gate then and we told her what she'd got to do she was a poor foolish creature and she could hardly mind her own name times for all its outlandishness let alone a sermon but gideon said so long as she got an inkling of it he could make up the rest and he said if she didna remember enough of it he'd twist her arm proper so she began to cry then we saw sexton coming across the ploughed field very solemn with his long staff black and white in bands and we could hear parson's piebald pony clopping up the lane so we made off and left Tivy with her round chin trembling and her mouth all crooked with crying because she knew she'd never remember a word of the sermon tivy at a sermon always used to make me think of our dog being washed he'd lie down and let the water souse over him and she did the same with a sermon so i knew trouble was brewing it was a beautiful evening with swallows high in the air and a powerful smell of may blossom when the bell stopped ours and the others We went and looked down into the water to see if we could get a sight of the village there as we did most sundays but there was only our own church upside down and two or three stones and crosses the same and parson's pony grazing on its head times on summer evenings when the sun was low the shadow of the spire came right across the water to our dwelling AND I WAS USED TO THINK IT WAS LIKE THE FINGER OF THE LORD POINTING AT US. WE WENT DOWN INTO THE MARSHY PLACES AND FOUND PLENTY OF conkers, AND GIDEON BEAT JANCES EVERY TIME, WHICH WAS A GOOD THING, FOR AT THE END HE SAID HE'D PLAY GREEN GRAVEL, AND THEY WERE BOTH PLEASED. ONLY WE WERE TERRIBLE LATE AND NEARLY MISSED Tibby. NOW TELL, SAYS GIDEON. SO SHE BEGAN TO CRY and said she knew nought about it. Then he twisted her arm, and she screamed out, burning and fuel of fire. She must have said that, because it was one of the texts the sexton was very fond of saying over, keeping time with tapping his staff the while. What else? Nought. I'll twist your arm till it comes off, if you done a think of any more. Tivy looked artful, like pussy in the dairy, and said, Parson told about Adam and Eve and Noah and and Japheth and Jesus in the manger and thirty pieces of silver. Gideon's face went dark. There's no sense in it, he said. But she's told you anyway. You must let her go now. So we went home, with the shadow of the spire stretching all across the water. Father said, What was the text? burning and fuel of fire what was the sermon about poor gideon made out a tale of all the things Tivy had said you never heard such a tale father sat quite quiet and mother was smiling very painful standing by the fire cooking a rasher suddenly father shouted out liar liar parson called but now to say was there sickness there being nobody at church YOU'VE NOT ONLY TAKEN DOGS' LEAVE AND LIED, BUT YOU'VE MADE GAME OF ME. HIS FACE WENT FROM RED TO PURPLE, AND ALL VEINED LIKE RAW MEAT. IT WAS AWFUL TO SEE. THEN HE REACHED FOR THE HORSEWHIP AND SAID, I'LL GIVE YOU THE BEST HIDING YOU EVER HAD, MY BOY. HE CAME ACROSS THE KITCHEN TOWARDS GIDEON, BUT SUDDENLY GIDEON RAN AT HIM AND BUNTED INTO HIM, AND TAKING HIM BY SURPRISE, HE KNOCKED HIM CLEAN OVER now whether it was because father had eaten a very hearty supper after a big day's work with the bees or whether it was him being in such a rage and then the surprise of the fall we never knew however it was he was taken with a fit he never stirred but lay on his back on the red quarries breathing so loud and strong that it filled the house like somebody snoring in the night mother undid his sunday neckcloth and lifted him up and put cold water on his face, but it was no manner of use. The awful snoring went on, and seemed to eat up all other sounds. They went out like rushlights in the wind. There was no more ticking from the clock, nor purring from the cat, nor sizzling from the rasher, nor buzzing from the bee in the window. It seemed to eat up the light, too, and the smell of the white bush roses outside. AND THE FEELING IN MY BODY, AND THE THOUGHTS I HAD afore, WE'D ALL COME TO BE JUST A PART OF A DARK SNORING. Sarn, San cried mother, O oh, San, poor soul, come to thyself. She tried to put some hollands between his lips, but they were set. Then the snore changed to a rattle, very awful to hear, and in a little while it stopped. AND THERE WAS A DREADFUL SILENCE, AS IF ALL THE EARTH HAD GONE DUMB. ALL THE WHILE GIDEON STOOD LIKE STONE, REMEMBERING THE HORSEWITH FATHER MEANT TO BEAT HIM WITH, SO HE SAID AFTER. AND THOUGH HE'D NEVER SEEN ANYONE DIE AFORE, WHEN FATHER WENT QUIET, AND THE PLACE DUMB, HE SAID IN AN EVERYDAY VOICE, ONLY WITH A BIT OF A TREMBLE, HE'S DEAD, MOTHER, I'LL GO AND TELL THE BEES or we met lose em We cried a long while, mother and me, and when we couldna cry any more, the little sounds came creeping back, the clock ticking, bits of wood falling out of the fire, and the cat breathing in its sleep. When Gideon came in again, the three of us managed to get father onto a mattress and lap him in a clean sheet. He looked a fine, good-featured man, now that the purple colour was gone from his face, Gideon locked up and went round to look the beasts and see all well. Best go to bed now, mother," he said. "All safe and the beasts in their housen. I told every skep of bees, and I can see they are content and willing for me to be maister." End of Book One, Chapter Two.